Hello and welcome to Over My Head, a look back at Pop's past. Um, this is Chris, and as you can probably tell, we're doing things a little bit differently for this episode. Uh, we thought that we would actually break out our top 10 back then segment for um, the most recent episode covering Where is the Love? Um, and yeah, I mean, we, uh, are you all excited to get into the top 10 back then in a little bit more detail when we uh, don't have to make the episode about two hours long? Yeah, I'm really excited because I love the top 10 back then. Um, I love that we get to see all the songs that maybe we don't know or that we remember as well. So being able to break it down in not time constraints is pretty cool. So I'm really excited to try this out. And thank you guys for listening to another episode of this as well throughout your week. Yeah. Yeah, we need to give these songs the time and the justice they deserve to be in the spotlight. So I'm excited for that. Absolutely. Yeah, and uh, don't don't forget to take a look back at our uh, Where is the Love episode. That should be out just a couple of days before this one. Um, it should be most recent in our podcast listening, wherever you listen to podcasts. So um, I wanted to just kind of start things off. Um, so this episode is going to be covering the week of August 8th, 2003. Um, now... I honestly, this is this is a period of pop music that I'm less familiar with um, because at this time I was nine years old, <laughs> um, and the um, so the Billboard charts at this time were definitely still pretty solidly in the early 2000s phase. Um, we had a lot of um, a lot of kind of hip hop influenced pop. Um, a lot of R&B and uh, just generally um, generally kind of the last hurrah of radio focused um, and radio driven charting positions. Um, as we all know, a couple years later is when iTunes would really hit the big time and usher in the era of digital downloads. Um, at this time, actually, the Billboard chart formula was still very largely based on radio play, which is still a controversial factor to this day i would uh personally say that it's still weighted a little too heavily but i mean at this time the you know we were still in the people were buying albums so in terms of deciding what was actually a hit single as opposed to the album the radio and radio requests were still one of the most more valid uh metrics of that so um keep that in mind um in uh in this week's top 10 um this is the peak for uh the first week of the peak for where is the love at number eight um and we'll we'll go ahead and get into this uh in a second but um i did want to so we're gonna be doing this a little bit differently than we've previously done top 10 back then i'm gonna go from 10 to 1 um and before we start, um, knowing that we're not going to get to number one for a little while, I do want to open the floor to see if y'all can guess what was number one at this time. Number one in 2003. August. We are nine years 2003. old. It was August. <laughs> I want to uh, say that it would have to do something with Destiny's Child or something. Yeah. Someone related Beyonce. to Destiny's Child. It's a very fair guess. Um, but... That is all I can probably say. Like you said, we were nine, so or Nelly, or Nelly, something, some sort of Nelly or Beyonce. That yeah, I mean, yeah, I'll go with one of those two. In in terms of just being objective, given that I have it in front of me, I would definitely have guessed the those two. Um, so we'll get we'll get into that. But just before we start with the actual top ten, I did want to take a note uh, at some of the songs that are in the top twenty. Um, including one of my uh, one of my all time um, one of my all time favorite uh, Sean Paul songs, "Get Busy" at number yes. twenty, a classic. <laughs> Amazing! Oh, rising! It's Rise. rising or falling? It's it, bubbling. It's actually falling. Um, it, oh, okay. Uh, it did peak Deflating. at number one um, previously in the year. Um, it's at number twenty at this point. It had just uh, it had just hit number fifteen, so it's at the end of its um, at the end of its hit cycle, but. Uh, I mean, we, we, we love that piece song of to this art. day. And I will say, a song by Sean Paul that I like a little more is actually three songs above this, and that is Like Glue, which 
is at its peak at number 17. I love oh. that song. When I was I can't uh, say I remember that one. It's uh it is fantastic. Definitely go listen to it. That's going to be um <laughs> I mean It's my homework. So <laughs> this is going to age me, but one of my one of my my memory of this song was in 2008 putting this as my MySpace song and having okay. people be like Oh my gosh, wow. So you must have been a big Sean Paul fan because at that time temperature was big and I was like, hey, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm a hipster about Sean Paul. I mean, this song was the song was big when I was nine. I didn't I didn't listen to it until I was like probably ten or eleven or fifteen or twelve or whatever. Uh, point being, I I do love this song. I think my off of my, that album, Legalize It, uh was uh one of my favorite songs actually. Too, that was a great was, song. I forgot yes, about that very, entirely. And and my dad was like, uh, okay, <laughs> like what and I'm and, and then like at the time, you know, I'm like, I don't know what this is about. My dad was probably like, This is clearly about marijuana. Um, which now looking back, yes it is. Um so I did not know that that's what that song was about, but also a great song. Every day we be burning. Yes, not concerning. <laughs> so, uh, Didn't know. So one other note from the top 20 um, is that Bring Me to Life by um, our, our old friends Evanescence uh, <laughs> is sitting at number 16. Evanescence. <laughs> not Evanscance. Evanescence, Evanescence. <laughs> is sitting at uh, number 16 uh, after having peaked at number five previously. Uh, Drift Away by Uncle Cracker is uh, is at number 14. Oh, another classic. Another, wow. yeah, Cracker. classic with quotes. Um, that one that one had just been at number nine at its peak. And um, just above that, uh, Miss Independent by Kelly Clarkson, just coming off of its peak at number oh. nine, um, down to 13. And one last song before we hit the top 10, Shake a Tail Feather. By Nelly yes. P. Diddy and Murphy Lee was at its peak this week at number twelve. Oh, that song I, Nelly was, was very relevant. I thought that that song peaked higher. I will say. Uh, Wait, that was I the peak? think I think that that song gets lost in his discography, but I think it Definitely. is uh, one of his more underrated songs. But yeah, surprised it didn't go higher than that. Yeah, I would. I would absolutely agree. I'm really that was was that in the Bad Boys movie too? I think. I think you're right. Yeah, so maybe a little bit, yeah, even more surprising. That I actually do don't, it. yeah, I actually don't know off the top of my head if it was, but that sounds about right. So, let's get started with the top 10 at number 10. And this is another song that I I definitely think has aged well, given how many times I've heard it in clubs to this day. We have Get Low by Lil Jon and the East Side Boys, featuring the Ying Yang Twins, at number 10, uh, just on its way up to its peak at number two. Um, several, wow. Uh, <laughs> so the thing about this song that is a shame is that the radio version sucks because <laughs> it doesn't swear at all. And it doesn't have the, the classic lines um, in it. You know, the, the explicit lines, you know, sweat dropped down my balls. Oh, skeet, skeet, motherfucker. Um, Down, skate, yeah. skate. Nah, so um, if you ever want to make an impression on the karaoke machine this is a hilarious <laughs> song to do it and i and um, i've been there when people have done it it is hilarious to do uh so that is a good one but yeah it, you talk about radio play this song was not made for the radio by any means but nope, still but it that it got it. into the top 10 is pretty cool it made it i mean it's and all way too it's a uh, was this song. America's first taste of Lil John, or was he around prior to this song? He would later appear on Yeah, a lot of he, he would you know love his little pizzazz every yeah, in there. Yeah, so this was his first um, this was his first solo single, um, and I mean I say solo, but uh, he was the leader um, and de facto leader, I guess, of the the East Side Boys. But you know he'd been around um, a bit as a producer and. Um, you know, just in the East Side Boys a little bit before, but you're right. This was Lil John's first major, um, major uh, name making moment, I guess. Um, it's kind of a prelude to DJ Khaled, probably more involved in the actual. Oh yeah, absolutely. Music, I mean, he, you know, for all we can we can talk about Lil John's like catchphrases and whatnot, he did actually have verses. <laughs> so, <Yeah. laughs> um, I rather uh, than just scream memes and random adverbs 
yeah. as DJ Khaled does. Yep. Yeah, and um, and so yeah, this was one of uh, this was one of two early uh, Little John the East Side Boys hits with Lovers and Friends that um, came pretty shortly thereafter. Both of them uh, hit the top three, um, and this was uh, this was from the album Kings of Crunk. Um, a wonderful period in hip hop history. With the, was it with the Z Kings with the Z? It was not, but it should have been. I love. Oh, I like. I, th- I assumed it would have been. So Southern rap in general um, has always had a pretty fond place in my heart, and obviously we we are currently in an era heavily heavily indebted to Southern rap. Um, I do <laughs> I do want to give a quick shout out to Crunk uh, Ain't Dead. Um, which is a song that is somewhat becoming a meme right now, but is genuinely pretty good. Um, anyway, the the point being, this was a this was a period where you know um, Southern rap, particularly Southeast, um, kind of like Florida, Florida based, and you know uh, Atlanta, Atlanta uh, etc. Et well, I say Florida, Louisiana because, too. Yeah, Louisiana as well. But this was um, this was an album that actually had uh, Pitbull's first mainstream feature in 2000 2002 um it also had uh it also had features from folks like devin the dude um folks like uh bun b uh folks like mjg <laughs> folks like pd pablo um wow even uh, even e40 so wow. we had we had some we had some future big names all of which were you know still on their way up but um I mean, I don't think Lil John gets enough credit for how much he did for the genre uh, <laughs> to this day. I mean, especially given how how enduring Get Low is um, in clubs. I mean, <laughs> like the amount of times I've heard Get Low played in the club is is absurd, given that I don't go to the club that often. And it's a great time every time it's played. It really yes, is. Yes, it is. So, any other thoughts y'all have on Get Low? Classic. It makes me realize Lil John is instrumental to a lot of things within the decade and beyond. So, thank you, Lil John. Really, I mean, they, yeah. the song "Yeah" is based off of him when you think about it, right? Like he literally would go "Yeah," and like that—that mm. that is him. Like the song was made around him, and that was a huge smash. And I'd argue "Yeah" is maybe one of the pop songs of the oh, decade yeah and you know, maybe that's of all good, time that's a good point because the line bend over to the front and touch your toes ended up um making it into yeah mm-hmm. um in uh good. in little john's bit with ludicrous there um and <laughs> um this song so yeah was obviously in the top 10 of the billboard uh hot 100s top songs of the decade but um this song made it to number 70 so um don't quote me on this. I may be corrected uh, as we go forward, but I think this is the highest song on the decade end charts of this top 10. So, um, so yeah, little John uh, get low at number 10 and moving on up to number nine. We have a song that was briefly referenced by Anthony <laughs> a little bit ago. In Those Jeans by Genuine <laughs> on its way on its way to its peak at number eight, uh, sitting wow. at number nine this week. I had to look this song up. <laughs> I have never I had never heard this song until um, until this evening. I kind of like it. I'm not going to lie. It's a pretty uh, it's a pretty good genuine song. I mean, nice and uh, nice and kind of a slow burn. Um I mean, this is uh, this is definitely one of those genres that was radio ready at the time. Just very, very sensual R and B. I mean, I don't have the BPM as genuine does. As genuine does. I don't have the. How BPM does it compare right to Pony? It's not Pony. It's <laughs> no Pony. <laughs> so a lot. So it's a lot slower. Um, you get a um, you get a really nice um, kind of vocal turn from Genuine on the chorus. Um, nice acoustic guitar, um, good side stick uh, snares. Um, it's a I mean it's a very enjoyable song. I think I have heard the hook before. Actually, uh, now that you say that, I jeans. just listened to it. 
for a little bit, and immediately once I heard it, I remember that song actually, and it is a great song. Like I like it. Yeah, it's no, it's a good, uh, it's a good song. I mean, I, I will, I will be the first no to fun. admit that I don't know, I don't know enough about genuine. Uh, what, what do y'all think? <laughs> do y'all have? Uh, I, I'd also have to plead the fifth here. I, I know him for Pony. That's why I said, oh wow. He had another top ten song other than Pony. Tell you what, um, he had a number of uh, a number of hits. Um, I don't know necessarily um, how many other top tens he had. Although I just opened up his discography, he did have differences at number four, which actually outpeaked Pony um, wow. in two thousand one. And this was his third top ten in his final. So. And you'll have to forgive us, folks. We're nine at this time. so We are nine. Uh, we're barely sentient. I probably should be listening to a song called In Those Jeans at nine years old no. anyway. I mean, yeah. I, but a, I think it was like a year earlier that Lean Back was on the Now CD, and I, and I knew every word to that. So, you know what? Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so number, uh, so number nine, uh, In Those Jeans by Genuine, which all of us, are going to have to listen to and get a little bit more familiar with. So we've talked about where is the love ad nauseum at this point. Um, that's at number eight this week. This is its first week at number eight. It would go on to have one more um, and descend the chart from there. Uh, but moving forward, we have at number seven. I would, I wouldn't say this is his most well-known song, but it's a very solid uh, song by the one and only 50 cent p-i-m-p wow yeah the the steel pan drum that's the what's beautiful about this song the steel this, pan drum so this is uh this is 50 cent in his peak time so i uh i i have i i mean i remember p-i-m-p from vaguely both at this time um i, I remember do i i did have that one friend who was like yeah, you guys, I've been really listening to 50 Cent. My mom let me buy The Massacre. Or no, uh, Get Rich and Die Trying. <laughs> um, <laughs> and he probably his mom also probably helped him buy The Massacre. Because I remember at that point, you had to get, if, it, if it had parental advisory, they were supposed to like have an adult with you. Um, and that's like the definition of it. Um, but <laughs> anyway, um, anyway, I mean, I remember PIMP and being like, well, this sounds fun. <laughs> um, I mean, it's yeah, like, Chris. Remember when I bought the massacre actually at Best Buy for like two dollars? You were with me that one time, <laughs> I and, and I bought it. That made me think about that. It's um, a steal. It yeah, is. It, a was, steal. it was a very good deal actually for that album. Um, but I have a funny story about PIMP. Um, we were at work one time, um, and the my boss was like, "Hey, I'm gonna put on." Um, adult contemporary pandora and pimp was the first <laughs> song that, that came on and i was like it's, it's millennial I, adult contemporary and i went wait what <laughs> i just thought it very confusing but uh, i mean maybe it was the production that would do it with the steel pan drum but I honestly like if you're having like a bachelor party at like a resort like this is a song you play like by the pool like sipping a pina colada or something and it's very similar to the song big pimpin which is around yeah. this time, similar title, yeah. similar steel pans. So I mean, I'm I'm all for it. I'm all for the do, 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 the do, pimp do. and pina colada vibes. Yeah. No, I mean it I, I think uh I I think this is definitely a great example of why fifty cent and especially get rich or die trying uh really hit what it did because he's able to he was really able to take gangster rap and make it commercial. Um I mean that's you know, especially especially just given the fact that he also maintained his quote unquote street persona at the time. I won't say I know enough about 50 Cent to know whether or not that's genuine. But the fact that he was able to both appeal to, you know, you know, like folks who actually listen to gangster rap um, and suburban moms to the point that it ends up on an adult contemporary playlist. Like that's pretty <laughs> impressive, especially uh, given again at this time we talked previously, this was very much kind of a, an era of radio gatekeeping. Um, the fact that this was in the top 10 meant that it had some ra serious radio support. Um, <laughs> I have the Wikipedia article open in front of me and I did not realize this, but it apparently had its video debut on MTV's, uh, TRL <laughs> total request live. If y'all remember that there you go. and yep. which just shows the time. Um, but 
that video also features um, him, Snoop Dogg, Lloyd Banks, and Young Buck rapping alongside a number of topless women. So the fact that that um, the fact that this worked is pretty crazy. <laughs> like, but um, anyway, I mean, he, uh, you know, it worked out. Producer on this one is Mr. Porter, who I'm not familiar with, but has some uh, has some work on a number of Eminem albums, including uh, the Eminem show, um, has has a lot of work on the D12 album um, and uh, ended up having work on Recovery by Eminem even. Um, oh, God. <laughs> yeah. And most recently did uh did a song on the Eminem album that happened this year that I have Double, forgotten about. Oh god. Yeah. So he um so very much uh tied to the Eminem canon here. It also I really really appreciate this. Please look it up because it's on the Wikipedia page. Its co-producers are Mushy Two Cheese. <laughs> I don't know who Mushy Two Cheese is, but that is a great name. And <laughs> And then Lukey Bacon. <laughs> hold on, hold on. I'm sorry. It's Mushy Two Cheese and Lukey Bacon Muncher. What? I don't know. I, I don't know either of those people. They don't have Wikipedia names. I don't know if someone just like vandalized this page. Ooh, ooh, anoint, do you think somebody anointed you are a bacon muncher? Or like you eat a lot of bacon, you're now the bacon muncher? Or did he self anoint himself that? i don't oh my god i don't know i mean you know we're laughing at this but dj mustard is one of the biggest nowadays <laughs> put gray poupon on the dj mustard you know? i don't oh, even know what man. to say about that but that's incredible um <laughs> anyway this song was at number eight after having peaked at uh number three uh, just a few weeks before um or this was number seven right or number seven thank you yeah, because but because Black and Peas were at number eight. Jeez, <laughs> this was at number seven. Um, it would end up being uh, number twenty-one on the year-end charts of the Billboard Hot One Hundred. So, um, didn't quite make the decade, but um, yeah, Get Low was. Uh, I don't know where Get Low was on the year-end, but you know, Fifty Cent in the in his peak. This was the single Twenty-One Questions and Into Club had already um, had their you know, had their run. Um, yeah, quite the, quite the thing. I am not quite over those producer names, but we're just going to move <laughs> forward. Um, so number six, this is one that I'm a fan. I'm a big fan of the song. Um, I've always really liked it. Um, probably a week ago, actually, I was, I was watching a Twitch stream, uh, DJ set and I want to say it was Hana shout out Hana. Um, who is a great kind of like underground pop artist. I say underground, but she's worked a lot with Grimes. So underground with quotes. Anyway, um, this is one of those songs that pops up from time to time. And I really think has endured just mainly due to how catchy it is. And the production is fantastic. Um, this is Never Leave You, Uh-Oh, Uh-Oh by Lumity. Are y'all familiar? No, not at all. Uh-oh, uh-oh. Uh-oh, oh, yeah. Oh, this yeah. Is, yeah. This is yeah. every that, movie trailer. So every Lumity, movie trailer in the 2000s had this song. Yep. <laughs> With the claps and everything. Yeah. Um, so Lumity, um, one hit wonder. Uh, this was her This was her only Billboard um, top 40 hit. Um, I believe her this only This has Billboard all the claps hit. in it, right? It has all like, the claps. It has the claps, yeah. Like little yeah. hand claps, it sounds like. Yeah, no, I I mean it's a great uh dance hall pop song. So the, so this song was uh Lumity's first um first hit. It was also her first song recorded apparently. Um somewhat famously it was she had just graduated high school and ended up um ended up going to the studio and um beginning to record her album with DJ Ted Smooth um and DJ Buckwild. Um so she's from the Bronx. Those are also um, kind of Bronx uh, heavyweights. Uh, Buck Wild in particular uh, worked quite a bit with Notorious B.I.G. Um, when he was coming up. Had some work with Jay-Z as well. Um, he uh, So this was, uh, this was definitely a song that would end up, it would end up kind of outliving 
Lumity's career, some might say. She hasn't really done all too much in recent times. Um, but I, I think it's kind of taken on a life of its own. I've heard it quite a bit in DJ sets, um, especially as kind of reggae and the Dembo rhythm uh, kind of come back into into vogue. Um, it mixes very well with reggaeton, as we mentioned before, kind of for the same reason. Um, but what ends up... Uh, but yeah, what ended up happening was that this song, apparently the first song that she ever recorded, uh, hit number three on Billboard, um, ended up being number 41 on the year-end Billboard charts and was number 99 on the decade charts. Wow. So when we think of one-hit wonders, like I think a lot come to mind, but honestly, she does not. And that's kind of like the worst-case scenario for a one-hit wonder. Yeah. Kind of like be remembered for something like being remembered for one hit and if somebody can't remember like i know the song when you mm-hmm. hummed the melody um but i don't remember the artist that's unfortunate it is um i mean especially given you know it it actually uses almost the same rhythm as uh get busy by sean paul um if you listen back to the two songs they have almost the exact same syncopation um I mean, Tale of, Two, Tale of Two Cities, really, in terms of how that sound hit the mainstream and led to Sean Paul becoming Sean Paul, and then Lumity kind of ending up being, you know, left to left to the Billboard history books. Um, I mean, it's a great song. Don't get me wrong. I've, I've always mm-hmm. really liked this one. Um, I didn't realize, uh, I didn't realize just how, um, just how sharp her drop-off was. I always figured there was something else that I hadn't heard from her. You know what I mean? Like, again, this is one of those, this is from the uh, era that I wasn't super familiar with. I was pretty young, but I mean, we've all heard this song. Like I even, I, I sang the uh-ohs and y'all knew exactly what I was talking about. Even if you didn't know exactly, her. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> um, it, uh, yeah. So, I mean, any, Ultimate any other thoughts wonder. on this song? Yeah. Any thoughts on this besides? It's a good song. It is. Yeah, it's a good song. I I didn't know the title nor the artist. And if you're going to be a one-hit wonder, you should be remembered for that. So yeah. I think we'll try to prop her up. Yeah, Lumity. Give her uh Lumity, give her a look here first. I mean, I'll at the very least you'll hear that song at least at least again in DJ sets coming coming forward. Um I yeah, I it, it is shocking when you see that sort of thing sometimes. I mean, um it's not, you know another one that i another one that i think of sometimes is going to be um uh stereo love edward maya um it, and then we there's an and but we don't yeah, know who's ever vika, after it's vika yeah. with a j and i can't remember how to pronounce her last name but again like yeah when you have a song that outlives your career and, and i say that and i don't mean it in shade i mean it literally is what is known more than your career like that just yeah but i remember people like i remember my friends some of my friends in high school were like i'm going to edward maya concert like at least i was like oh okay like he's like people are going and he played like at a decent venue i remember but i was like i mean that is a good comparison i guess in retrospect yeah i mean yeah i will you know at the very least stream stream never leave you because that song is incredible um so that's number six uh and moving on up to the chart um, we have a song that kind of sticks out like a sore thumb. Um, again, just just because we are at number five and just, and just because I want to kind of show how much this sticks out. So top 10 so far, number 10, Get Low by Lil Jon and the East Side Boys. Number nine, yeah. In Those Jeans by Genuine. Number eight, Where's the Love by the Black Eyed Peas. Number seven, P.I.M.P. by 50 Cent. Number six, Never, so far, yeah. Never Leave You, Uh-Oh, Uh-Oh. And number five is Unwell by Matchbox 20. Holy <laughs> shit. Yeah. Talk about mom approved. Didn't see that coming, wow. did you? Unwell? <laughs> I, I'm not crazy. I'm just a little unwell. My mom played the shit out of this song. I would be stuck there captive and I would hear this song. It's like quasi country. It is. It is, it is literally described as pop rock, alternative rock, and country pop. It is. I think I think Rob Thomas is the most self-aware human in existence, maybe because he knew exactly what Matchbox Twenty was, and he 
like gave his heart and soul into it basically while being also very chill um so i mean and also doing him. a very formidable solo career as rob yeah. thomas yeah. i know so that is pretty awesome that i mean that does stick out like a sore thumb but hey i'll say this i i completely um so I'll be the first to admit that I don't know anything about Matchbox 20 as a band. <laughs> um, the the only Matchbox 20 song that I've ever had a connection with, truly, is How Far We've Come. Um, That's the only other one I know, too. This and Unwell. And I actually do like that song, I will say. But this song, um, at some point I've heard it. I can only think of the chorus right now. <laughs> I'm not crazy. I'm just a little unwell. Yeah, that's that's it. That's the yeah. only part of the song I can remember. And do you include Do you include Rob Thomas solo too? So like, would you include Smooth as a Matchbox 20s song? Oh, that's that, that, that is a, that's a Santana. Yeah, that's song. a Santana. Well, song. but but Rob Thomas is in it. I will I will say I will say I have more of an understanding and connection to Rob Thomas than Matchbox Twenty. <laughs> I think the differentiating thing between Rob Thomas and Matchbox Twenty is I think Matchbox Twenty has more strings. There might be a violinist, kind of like yellow yeah, it card. Sounds about right. And then I think there's a female vocalist. I could be completely wrong. This is all off the top of the dome, but yeah, I mean that makes sense. Unfortunately, I was wrong about the decade end charts. Um, this peaked three positions above uh, Get Low on the Decade End charts at number wow, 67. Same. It's a shame. But, I mean, again, Mom approved. This this seems like one of those songs that was just there because radio was like... You know you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of um, the fact that Gangnam Style in 2012 uh, peaked at number two underneath One, uh, one More Night by Maroon 5 for nine weeks, um, which is one of my favorite, like... Okay, that is literally only because radio was like, what is the nearest, like, comfortable white person song that we can reach for and just blast it? <laughs> like, clearly they weren't playing Get Low. Clearly they, they, they had some issues with PIMP. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Like, obviously everyone on here had radio support to some degree, but there's, I think there's a reason that this song was where it was. So it peaked at number yeah. five, but it was there for for 20 weeks in the top 10 um, wow almost half the year um yeah jesus christ um i just don't <laughs> oh, okay it was very successful on the radio spending 18 weeks at the top of the u.s billboard adult top 40 it had to have been those weird stations not the weird they're not weird but it's those stations that are all the adult yeah. contemporary stations like yeah. in chicago i think it was 93 9 the light or something like that yeah um, yeah it's like that's and, you're absolutely correct yeah that's uh, what it is my mom only listened to 102.9 light fm it's, it's yeah. like it only played white people music i'm sorry that's yeah, none of the songs it. prior to this appeared before this and i only listened to that and um that's why i know this song so well unfortunately i will i will say this this is the only such song for the entire rest of the top 10 as well it, it is clearly not the norm um in fact, if I scroll down, the only three songs in the top 20 at this week that are by anyone white are Uncle Cracker, uh, Drift yeah, Away. Course, very similar um, to Matchbox 20. Matchbox 20. Pseudo country, yeah. Yeah, Matchbox 20, Miss Independent by Kelly Clarkson. And actually, I, I've lied. There's a fourth one, Evanescence, Bring Me to Life. So... Oh, and, and Are You Happy Now by Michelle Branch. So, the, so that's five out of 20. Um, this is not a, yeah, this is, this is not the sort of sound of the era clearly bolstered by radio. Um, I did lie. I was wrong. This is 21 weeks on the chart total, um, which is not as, not as crazy as 20 weeks in the top 10, but still a massive hit, obviously. Um, yeah, I, uh, matchbox 20, whatever. Um, so moving right on to a much more interesting song at number four we have again uh we talked about 50 cent being in kind of his peak at this time and this isn't a lead 50 cent song but it's definitely a kind of it's it's definitely part of 50 cents history this is magic stick by lil kim featuring 50 cent yeah 
I <laughs> silence. <laughs> let me let me say let me say with magic stick. Um, so so obviously all of us probably had the same um, like. I okay. I don't want to speak for everyone, but I want to say that when I first heard Candy Shop by Fifty Cent, I was like, "This is incredible! <laughs> like, this is <laughs> this is just like." I wouldn't know. I wasn't allowed to listen to that song for many many, many many reasons. Well, when when I first heard that song, it was from that same friend. It was from that same friend. Um, I remember um, I remember hearing that song and being like, oh, my God, this is this is edgy. You know, this is this is really cool. Like, it's still pop, you know, like it's like this is awesome. And then probably like not too long after I discovered Magic Stick and was like. Oh, my God, (laughs) like, (laughs) you know, Lil' Kim broke a ton of barriers, obviously. I mean, she did, yeah. the 2010s and now the 2020s with the past few weeks, um, you know, we had the Doja Cat versus uh, uh, versus Meg Thee Stallion. Um, Nicki battle. Minaj in there. Yeah, uh, Beyonce up there, too. You know, we've we've had black women up at the top of the charts and for and particularly black rappers uh, or female rappers. So Lil' Kim uh, obviously is one of the one of the foremost um rap names at this time but notably she's also the foremost female rapper and i think that's very significant um obviously in the past uh in the past several years including just just these past few months uh we've we've seen folks like doja cat and meg the stallion um and Nicki minaj and even beyonce uh hit the top of the charts with um with female rap but in general, the history of rap has been largely male dominated. Um, Lil Kim uh, almost ended up not erased from the conversation, but definitely minimized, especially given that she was having some she was having significant uh, hit presence at one of the more competitive times for rap in the mainstream. I mean, the early 2000s is quite the period to be a rapper, really. Um, and the fact that this was up in the top four Um, much less given the lyrical content, like, I mean, you know, you want to talk about someone pushing the boundaries. Um, I mean, this is a song talk, like she, she, she talks about his magic dick, like by the, by the second hook, like this song, it's a stick. Oh, she, oh, she starts saying stick, but, oh, uh, but you're telling me the stick is a dick. What? It was implied. And then it was, and then it was explained. Disco stick, magic stick. I think. I think we get the. Yeah, let me. I don't know. Let me tell you. This song is just. It is cool. Like the fact that this existed and had was met with such. Uh, with with such acclaim at the time, I think is significant. Um, I mean, look, yeah, Lil Kim was definitely one of the ones paving the way. Um, you know, along with folks like Remy Ma. Um. Obviously, a few years prior, uh, Missy Elliott hit the mainstream big time and was still um, was still at the top of the charts around this same period. Um, and, you know, even before that, Lauren Hill. But I, I think Lil' Kim deserves her flowers. Now, um, which one is more controversial, this or Candy Shop? So I think, again, I think Candy Shop became more controversial because it was a bigger hit. Um I think that this song should be more controversial. I th- I mean, yeah, I mean it's a good question because it's like, okay, yeah. I think like it's at least more- Fifty Cent's like, hey, it's not you know that, but then Lil Kim's like, no, it is. <laughs> I, yeah, I think it's a. Um, I mean, I think it's a great song. I think it's. I think her wordplay actually is real is really solid for the most part in it. It's obviously still kind of like a party song. Um, Definitely, definitely kind of Southern rap influenced um, it, as a lot of things were at this time, but still very much based in the New York rap that was that was blowing up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this was uh, so this was um, this was a number two hit in the coming weeks um, at number. So it was on its way up, it's on its way up. Uh, number four, um, 16 weeks on the chart. Uh yeah, uh, again, right in the middle of 50 cents, uh, big, big breakthrough as well. So big time, not just for uh, rap, but for uh, New York rap in particular. 
So, um, yeah, I I just have really fond memories of this sort of rap from, you know, being being a kid at the time and this being right at the point when it was, you know, your friend, your friend was like, hey, yeah, I got this CD like um, like this is the cool thing. Um, so it's like a black market for kids. Like, yeah, black yeah, CD. yeah. The underground, you know. Um, yeah, this was around the time that I realized that the library near me rented out CDs for free and no one could no one could tell if you ripped it. Shout <laughs> so, out to libraries. Shout out Still to libraries. offering that service to today. Yep. <laughs> so I mean, I didn't I didn't say that. That's not that's not legally true. Um <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so number four, Magic Stick by Lil Kim, which we do not recommend that you rip from your local libraries now CD. No, just listen to it and then return it. Yeah, just just listen and return it. Nothing else. All right, so moving on, we have uh, another major voice from this time uh, from the R&B realm, but who had several notable collaborations with rappers, uh, most notably with Ja Rule. Um, This is Rock With You by Ashanti. So um, this song is admittedly not one of the uh, not one of the first that I think of when I think of Ashanti. Um, and for the longest, uh, for the longest, I, I remember, um, <laughs> I remember just knowing Ashanti from Mesmerize, but, um, I think, but this is, uh, I believe it's her debut single from her second album. I don't know, but I know this is after Foolish was huge. Um, I know, uh, I know she'd kind of, you know, been a mainstay at the top of the charts for a little bit this time this was the period where r&b um and particularly r&b that flirted with hip-hop sound and this the production on this i think has aged wonderfully um irv Gotti produced shout out um definitely uh definitely one of those songs that um i think just kind of it sounds of the time and not necessarily in a bad way. It's the sort of thing that I'm I guarantee someone has sam- has sampled or will sample or Drake will sample. <laughs> um, so uh yeah, uh any thoughts on Rock With You by Ashanti, y'all? I like how the spelling was different than Rock With You. It was Rock With You. Um yeah, very much a thing. Michael Jackson song. Very much a thing from the 2000s and I'm not going to lie, I did have to look it up um because i was you know the, again we've said this a million times but i i vaguely remember this from being young and i did not know michael jackson well enough to have been able to say oh yeah this totally samples michael jackson it doesn't i i checked um but you know it, it could have i mean I, same song title so. same song title but anyway um yeah again not the not necessarily what comes to the um what comes to f- the front of mind for ashanti but it did hit number two on billboard um wow you know kind of continuing her uh kind of continuing her hot streak from those days um and so this so notably this was um uh, this was released on murder inc who were still in the middle of their um of their kind of renaissance almost um not really renaissance but the biggest their their peak um Ja Rule was obviously the breadwinner for um for the vast majority of it, but Ashanti Ashanti ended up kind of pulling her own, especially around this um kind of 2002, 2003 period after Foolish. So yeah, pretty uh pretty solid track. Um so we are moving on to number two, and this one, um I have a very specific memory, but we'll get to that in a minute. Um, this is Right Thur by Chingy. Oh, wait. Great so song. Right Thur was, I think, on a Now album, first of it all. It was. It definitely was. I think it was on the same one as Where's the Love, which makes sense. Um, and then also, I remember this, the movie Robots, or what, what was the, it? <laughs> it? Yes, was Robots. okay. Yeah, it was, that's it where was, I remember. Was this the like movie? the kid movie, which yes. was basically around iRobot, but... It was not yes. iRobot at all, but it was. Yeah, but it was, it was like a Pixar, but not Pixar movie. Yeah, it was, it was like, like a an weird animated CGI movie. Thing. And I know exactly and, what you're talking And about. right there was in that movie, and I was like, "Oh, this is kind of lit." And then I was like, "Okay." And then like I was like, "Let's go listen to Chingy." 
I don't understand why it was in that movie, but it's awesome. <laughs> Chingy, Chingy at this time was always going up with uh, like Nelly and him were um, mm-hmm. not. Well, maybe they were beefing a little bit. They're both from St. Louis, so that's what yeah. they I was going to bring two. up. Like I didn't. I always thought I knew they were popular at the same time, and I looked into Chingy, and I found he was from St. Louis. I didn't know they were both from St. Louis. That explains a lot of the back mm-hmm. and forth. Those two were probably the. I mean, at the time, of course, like two of the bigger, you know, from St. Louis, but maybe from the St. Louis area in general ever as far as rappers. Um, Mm -hmm. Producer-wise, Metro Boomin is from um, St. Louis. If you guys didn't know, the Metro there is the train system, so that's why he's Metro Boomin, uh, actually. He's from St. Louis as well. Um, Yeah, so um, I would say in terms of rappers, though, obviously Nelly and Chingy, but yeah, they did not like... Um, each other at this time, and actually, when Nelly was having Wi-Fi problems during the beat battle with um <laughs> with Ludacris, someone like commented was like Chingy outside of Nelly's house messing with the Wi-Fi. Or something. <laughs> I, I like, thought that. that was hilarious. <laughs> so, but right there is, is a is a great song. It's like very synth heavy, but it's like yeah, distorted as hell. So it is cool. So it's interesting. I mean, it definitely makes sense to the point about the production that it was in the movie Robots sonically because it sounds like it's whirring almost and like, <laughs> you know, like bouncing along. Um, it's a I mean, it's a great song. Um, so what's interesting is that this is this is Nelly uh, Chingy's uh, debut solo single. Um, the only other uh, charting hit that he'd had before this was Shake Your Tail Feather, which we mentioned earlier is at number 12 yeah. this week. I was wrong. It so I read the I, I keep reading the Billboard website wrong. Um, shake your, I, I knew Shake Your Tail Feather was was a number one hit. It was, and it previously was. It was on its way down, but um, yeah, no, good, exactly. But yeah, that's a song. That's a collaboration with Nelly. So Nelly mm-hmm. and Chingy, Shake Your Tail Feather. And then um, we get Holiday Inn later by Chingy. Great. Song that's true. Too. Yeah, actually, I think we're. I think we're like a couple weeks ahead of Holiday Inn being released. So at this time, he speaking of Holiday Inn, he's t- he signed to Disturbing the Peace. Um, you know, working working a ton with Ludacris, obviously, but um, being uh, you know, he's he's up there with uh, with one of the you know bigger names of the era. Um, it makes sense that he uh, that they put so much weight behind him for his debut single. Um, and I mean, it's 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 obviously a great song, but yeah, the, the fact that we remember it from Robots shows how much placement it got. Like that's wild, you know. Yeah, I thought that was hilarious. That that that's what me and you uh, remembered it from first. It says a lot. I that movie was totally out of my um, memory bank, and you guys just brought it back. So thank you. It's in there. Um, yeah, I mean, so in so interestingly. Keep 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 seeing notes about the decade end charts. Uh, this was seventy two. So if you'll remember, Get Low wow. was number seventy, and Unwell was number sixty seven. So massive, massive hit. Number seven on the year end charts for Billboard Hot one hundred. So higher than everyone else so far. I have a suspicion that the song that is number one, and we'll get to that in a second, might be a little bit higher on the year end charts, but. Um, yeah, I mean, any other thoughts on Right Thur? A fantastic. It song. is fantastic. It's fantastic, but it's not his best song because Holiday, <laughs> because Holiday is his best exists. song. Yes, <laughs> I would agree. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. still, still a good song. I mean, I want to say there is a there was a random like mid to le- yeah. He was on uh he was on pulling me back with Tyrese. Do you remember oh, that yes, song? He was. Every yes. time I try to leave something. Oh, great song. Okay. <laughs> so so that song, pulling me back, holiday in, all great. Um, obviously, Shake Your Tail Feather. We can't, we can't, um, we can't not give Chingy his flowers. So here we are. We are at number one. And just before we get there, let's run through real quick we got get low little john the east side boys in those jeans genuine at number nine uh where's the love by black eyed peas at number eight p-i-m-p by 50 cent at number seven never leave you uh oh uh oh by lumity at number six unwell by matchbox 20 at number five magic stick by Lil kim and 50 cent at number four rock with you uh baby by ashanti at number three right third by chingy at number two 
And at number one, we have the future married couple and king and queen of hip hop. In many ways, we have Crazy in Love by Beyonce Called it. and Jay Z. Wow. Called it. Sense. Five weeks at number one. Uh, only 12 weeks on the chart. That's kind of surprising, but um, a massive, massive hit, obviously. Everybody, everybody remembers this song. <laughs> I yeah. mean, um, so what's, uh, where, where are y'all's first memories of Crazy in Love? Bowling. Um, this was a song that played a bowling alley. <laughs> I went to a bowling camp. Um, and this is great for bowling. The drum beat really gets you going. Da, 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 da. It just drives like a sense of urgency. Um, and you know, your boo could be at the, you know, other alley next to you. Um, and you know, these two ended up getting married several years later. So if you're bowling next to your sweetie boo in the alley next to you, it was a sign of things to come. I want to say that they weren't. I don't know if they were dating. At I don't this think time. they were romantic. They might have been romantically involved on the low. But no, no, definitely no, not no, no, no. They were. They were because this is right after O3 Bonnie and Clyde. Oh, uh, okay. they were. I was wrong. Um, but yeah, no, I it definitely uh, boo at the at the roller rink or the bowling alley kind of <laughs> tune um, or your middle school dance. Maybe. Um, <laughs> I mean, you know, what's funny. Um, you know, it's funny. I just realized is that she, um, she, so her whole like middle, middle eight, uh, Oh, 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 no, no, no. That reminds me a lot of Lumity. Um, so shout out to Lumity. Once again, you, uh, you had your impact. <laughs> like, it, you know, this is, uh, this is quite the song to impact. Even if, even if not directly. Now, I know I'm going to get a lot of flack for this. I haven't been the biggest Beyonce fan ever in my life. So I, oh. I this one with me wasn't like as big of a smash as other people made it out to be. But it, it still is a pretty good song. I don't think it's the best song that they've done together. I will say that. Um, I think yeah. that uh, Drunk at Love is their best song together, personally. Um, it's a great song. Yes, but... Um, I know I have hot takes on that, but, um, I always <laughs> didn't, I didn't, I know that at this point they are at, they're two of the biggest stars at their peaks at this point. You know, they still go on, they're still relevant today. Um, so it makes sense that the song is number one and that it would get to the, the peak of the billboard. So, yeah, no, I get that. I mean, what's interesting is that, um, so I've got some notes in front of me about the um, about the actual production, um, and this is a fantastic beat. I'd say has yeah. aged like pure wine. Um, definitely still goes off to this day. <laughs> um, like, I, like I'm probably going to put it in my car playlist. Um, anyway, the what's interesting. So this is this is a co-production between Rich Harrison and Beyonce. Rich Harrison being um, kind of a um, kind of a well-known um, R&B hip-hop uh, producer of the time, best known for producing One Thing by Amory, which is a classic, incredible song, wonderful production, often cited by a lot of my favorite artists uh, nowadays. Um, so that excites me alone. But apparently, so Rich um, Rich came up with the song... Um, he, he would end up working quite a bit with Beyonce on uh, Dangerously in Love, her debut solo album. So, you know, we've talked a bit about kind of the label positioning of Justin Timberlake. We're moving you out of the group. Like, how are we going to make you, you know, hit the big time? Um, same sort of same sort of strategy with Beyonce. Uh, we, we will definitely have to cover it at some point because there's a lot Absolutely. of history. Um, but... Notably, uh, this song actually was this song was one of the later um, was one of the later singles, um, but ended up being um, pretty pretty early designed. Um, Rich uh, Rich Harrison said, claims that he had it uh, produced as a beat, um, sampling "Are You My Woman? Tell Me So" by the Shy Lights um, for the horns. Um, he. Uh, <laughs> He claimed he claimed that he had it written in July 2002. Uh, the song would come out a year later. Um, he uh, and he claimed that when he first played the beat to his friends, they could not dig it. Quote. 
And <laughs> that made him realize that this was something special that people would people would appreciate better later and with the right artist. Um, so, you know, he kind of had it in his bag. Uh, eventually, uh, when he started working with Beyonce, obviously Beyonce, well known uh, for, um, you know, kind of pushing the envelope in terms of what pop music can be, um, said, yeah, this is uh, this is this is going to work. Apparently, at first, actually, Beyonce was even a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little bit uh, iffy on it, and initially said, "I no one uses horn riffs in, <laughs> in these days," which is true. I mean, again, like if you think about what what the sound was at this time, but eventually, it grew on her, gave uh, gave gave her the opportunity to record it and eventually release it. Obviously, it it was a smash hit. Um, so this is this is ranked at um, so this, so I was right. This is definitely higher than the others on the decade on the decade end charts. Well, so year end charts for Billboard number four song of the year. Just throw that out there. Um, decade end charts for Billboard number forty. Fortieth um, hmm. biggest song of the two thousands, and this is the only one of the top ten this week to land on the all time Billboard charts as of twenty nineteen at number two hundred forty nine. 249 of all time of all time wow it's also ranked at number 118 on rolling stones list of the 500 greatest songs of all time um yeah obviously loved um it's uh i i think it's i think it's uh as far as um and i don't i don't believe that this was beyonce's uh no it was the lead single from the album i would jeez so, so this is our introduction to solo Beyonce. Obviously, we all know Destiny's Child was huge up until this point, but this is quite the introduction. Um, we definitely need to come back, possibly even to this song, but just to Beyonce in the 2000s anyway. Um, I, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's kind of crazy. I mean, you, even, uh, even just a young Jay-Z, apparently he wrote the rap verse in 10 minutes. <laughs> so... I mean, in take, in pen and paper, he writes his all of his reps down uh, in pen and paper still yeah, to this day. Even take uh take that for what you will. Um, one thing that I um just kind of from a composition note that I think is interesting to me is that uh, she does modulate between D minor and F major. Um, the verses are um are largely in uh are largely in F major, I believe. Uh, with the hook being D minor. Don't quote me on that if I'm wrong, but um, I know that 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 those two are the, where the modulation occurs. Um, you can kind of hear the, you can you can pretty clearly hear the difference there. Um, the I'm gonna have to look that up. <laughs> but um, anyway, um, kind of a kind of an interesting composition in general, though. Um, I mean, yeah. What do y'all? What what kind of memories do y'all have to this? I mean, you mentioned the bowling alley, but. Uh, <laughs> I know I've definitely heard this at parties, um, heard this at bars, definitely heard this at a karaoke bar once, which is hilarious. Um, when we were in college, this played at the bar that we would frequent, the club, if you want to call it club bar. <laughs> the club, um, if you will. It, it was a club, I guess, uh, every time that we were there. So I think that speaks to the volume of how much of a, you know, startup song it was or like a hype song for people because they would go crazy uh for it uh no pun intended um on there too but um i think that it was one that everyone knows um to an extent if you are in with pop music or hip-hop music or any adjacent type of music Mm -hmm. yeah and that was you know 14 years after it was out, I know they still play old songs, but that was one that everyone would still know. Um, It wasn't like some obscure song came on. Like I I think maybe even if right there came on, like some people might not know it, but this was one that, that everyone would know for sure. And I did. Yeah, I think, I think we haven't, um, you know, what makes a pop song great is it's unique and you spoke to the horns. Um, Nothing on this chart has anything like that sound. Not a lot in the decade had a lot like that sound. It stands out. And then you also get Beyonce's debut. You get a a Jay-Z stimulus. And you have a recipe for a song that stands out. 
and that's why it's you know in between 100 and 200 on rolling stones top 500 of all time that's a huge endorsement and when you think of the 2000s pop songs if you think of the top 20 songs that come to mind this has to be one for me i'd think i'd say too that to your point nothing was sounding like this with horns at the time i think that that definitely changed in the 2010s as a result of this Um, yeah i well i think of mark ronson a bit in the later true yeah good point um um and and he's you know still around um producing some albums and singles to this day but yeah you're right the 2010s kind of took those horns and ran with it more accessible i will say um so i just so just look it up this um it is uh the the sample itself is in the hook is the f major component and then she modulates to d minor in the lyrics uh in the lyric section in the verses which kind of makes sense um we're kind of trying to trying to have more of a um almost dangerous energy in the in the in the lyrics you're talking about like so in love that's getting you crazy like that sort of deal um you know you want a little bit of an edgier key um I would be I would be curious though how many other songs um I mean we even talked about where's the love being the exact same key uh key and chord progression throughout the entire time. I don't I don't I can't think of any other song on this top 10 that modulates key like that. I could be wrong. Um but I mean just just even in terms of uh of comp- down to the composition this was this was pretty experimental for a pop hit much less in you know uh Come like a start uh starting song for a solo career in a lot of ways kind of similar to justin um mm-hmm. so yeah i mean quite the quite the number one any last thoughts y'all got on crazy in love i i think this week when you put it in the decade and the year end list shows how big this week was uh you not only get crazy crazy in love but you get right there you get unwell um yeah it's pretty monument per, monumentous week agree absolutely yeah i mean uh so i I guess we'll wrap it there that was the top 10 back then of uh of august 8th 2003 um almost 16 years ago uh about right now um man i this is definitely a period in the decade that i'd like to come back to more mainly because i don't have as strong a memories with um but yeah obviously a very strong top 10 so uh so we're gonna go ahead and kind of wrap it up um we'll i i think we'll try to get this into a playlist um just to kind of give you guys uh, an opportunity to take a look at these songs on your own time um we'll uh we'll see if any of these come up um in future weeks um i would i personally would love to revisit beyonce at the very least um and yeah i think uh i think that'll do it for today uh kind of a different episode let us know what you think about the top 10 back then on its own um thinking this might be something we do a little bit more often um thanks for listening um again go ahead and give a give a listen to our where's the love full episode that um inspired us to take a look this particular week um available wherever you listen to podcasts so uh for my co-hosts ryan and anthony um this is over my head a look back at pop's past thank you for listening see you next time